For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we are finishing out tiers series by going through the big guys, the centers, and ranking them in our tiers for fantasy basketball. Let's go! talking about G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter or X at Ball Boys Fantasy. And like we said, guys, finishing off the tiers series on our podcast feed and YouTube channel with the centers. If you haven't already, after you watch this video, go back and watch the guards and forwards centers there. There you can basically get a very good understanding of where I rank all of the players inside around that top 120 uh, range and sort of the groupings that I'm putting them in. Reminder, again, I've had a few questions on some of the previous podcasts that these positions are done through Yahoo's eligibility. So, for example, in the guards, anyone who had a small forward eligibility was not in that. So if you were point guard, or shooting guard, or one or the other, you were in that tier, in that uh, podcast, if you're small forwards, if you had shooting guards but also had small forwards, you were in the forwards tiers because there's fewer forwards uh, eligible in fantasy. And then the same thing for today. So the guys who didn't appear that are power forward, forward eligible, um, but are also center eligible, they're going to be in this video. Now, a lot of these guys don't actually play center a lot of the time as their primary positions, but they are eligible in our fantasy teams to be in a center position. That's just how I've done it. Look, I could have done it in a different way, but this is the way I've done it. So if you don't like it, well... Get over it. <laughs> um, all right, but today we're going to go through the center tiers. Uh, very interesting center this season. I think it's a deeper position than it has been in years past. Typically, there hasn't been many reliable centers, but this year I think we are the deepest that it has been in many years. So, interesting to see your thoughts. And uh, before we get started, just a reminder, guys, still plenty of opportunities and spots available in the Ball Boys Championship 30, which is a 30-team redraft, nine-category head-to-head league um, that I'm running to find out how to enter and get your chance to verse me in fantasy basketballs. Down in the description below is a step-by-step guide on how to do that. There's also a video over on the YouTube channel when you go onto my channel. It's the video that pops up. Check that one out for an explanation on how to do that. If you have any issues um, submitting your reviews and submitting your entries, uh, hit me up on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. But go and get your spots in there. Still plenty of spots, guys. So if you haven't done it and you're thinking about it, go and do it. Uh, chances look like they're pretty high at the moment. If you want to get into and you, you, you chuck a review in, 
you might uh, you might be able to get your spot in fairly easily. All right, let's go on to tier number one in the centers and in the early center tiers. Again, categories and points leagues. In category leagues, in my opinion, it's the top two players in the league. It's Nikola Jokic at one and Joel Embiid at two. Now, I tweeted much a few weeks earlier, early in the preseason, that I didn't think that it was as surefire a decision at number one than it was in year plus. And I still kind of stand by that. With that being said, I still think that Nikola Jokic is the first player to pick in your fantasy drafts. However, there is easily a case that Joel Embiid is the better ranked player at the end of the day. You always have in the back of your mind the durability question marks with Embiid, but he has been putting up more durable seasons in the last couple of years. Maybe there's an MVP hangover, but then again, you could say that maybe there's a, a, a championship hangover for Jokic. Um, Jokic had a career high in assists, so is it? can we expect that to stay up? I think that that drops back a little bit. But all in all, these two are, in my opinion, the lock for number one and number two in fantasy leagues. The way that my projections um, shape out, they are number one and number two by a decent margin. They're actually a fair way ahead of the next group of players in uh, three to five there. So I'm pretty locked in and certain that these will be, at least in my opinion, the first two players that should come off the board in category leagues. In points leagues, it's a little different. We've got an extra player in the tier, so Jokic and Embiid, and Giannis is also there as well. Just obviously in a points league, huge points, rebounds, and assists. Um, you don't care about the free throw percentage. You don't care about the lack of threes. Um, you know, I'm expecting his um, steals and blocks to marginally increase a little bit this season. So um, I think that that just gives him maybe a tiny bit more points league value, but he is probably definitely more valuable in a points league. You do need to worry about his ongoing knee management in that um, type of situation. So he probably definitely is third amongst these guys, but I think in my projected points average, he is definitely close to those guys. And um, again, you could have an argument at the end of the season, he finishes as a number one ranked player. I think there's probably four guys you could argue to go at number one. I still think it's Jokic, but you could make a reasonable argument for these three plus Luka to be the number one pick in a points league. Um, And I wouldn't think that you're crazy for going any one of those guys. But he is in there at tier number one as long as the first two guys we talked about. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's go to tier number two, and in tier two for category leagues, this is where I have Giannis Antetokounmpo, as well as Anthony Davis. Um, again, we're looking at minus one rankings for these category uh, tiers here. So Giannis, you lose. Well, this is me taking out his free throw percentage, but also taking out the worst category for every player. So he actually falls more towards the end of the first, start of the second round in that kind of value. Now, his negative is far worse than a lot of other players' negatives, so it changes his ranking uh, dramatically. If we were doing a nine-category rankings, he would be several tiers lower. But in a head-to-head league, we're not worried about his free throw percentage because you are obviously punting that. 
he and Anthony Davis are kind of in this situation together. So I think they can both be going sort of in the second half of the first round. Sometimes AD falls into the second. Understandably, he's he's an injury-prone, risky player himself. Um, massive increase to his rebounds last year. Um, was actually quietly durable outside of one bigger injury for the season. So... I don't know. I feel more confident with in a player like Anthony Davis than a player like Kevin Durant. Um, I don't know if that is weird or a controversial opinion or not, but for whatever reason, I feel more comfortable in terms of games played with a Davis than a Durant. But again, his free throw percentage did improve, but it is something you have to monitor. Obviously, he won't give you the threes, but good points, rebounds, blocks, decent assists and steals for a center as well. So he is comfortably in Tier 2. And in Points League, he's also in Tier 2 on his own because obviously Giannis was a bit higher up. Gets a little bit of a boost in that um, as well because obviously the percentages and free throws and lack of threes don't hurt an Anthony Davis. So he is is quite close to Tier 1, but just maybe a half step behind. So he's probably more of a middle of the first round in in Points Leagues um, versus in Category Leagues, the the Tier 2 is probably more back end of the first, start of the second kind of a round. Going to tier number three, we've got one player in each of these um, tiers for both categories and points. So for categories, we've got Jaron Jackson Jr. Now, he is someone who I think was a first-round player in nine category leagues last season. I am not taking him at that point. He is definitely someone that I'm taking in the second half of a category league this season. Elite blocks at three per game last season. I don't think it's responsible for me to project that again this season, so... Um, I would expect him to be sort of in that low to mid two blocks per game. His offense might come along a little bit at the start of the season without Jar, but remember Jar is coming back, so it's going to be short-lived improvement there. But he he's young, he's good. Um, he's not just a shot blocker, which I think is sometimes the narrative for him. Now, a vast majority of his value comes from those block shots, but if you're comparing him to other shot blockers, he does hit nearly two threes a game. He does score nearly 20 points a game. He can get you a steal. His free throw percentage is uh, on the positive side. So compared to someone like a Walker Kessler or someone like a uh, Nicholas Claxton, he does have more strings to his bow, in my opinion, and that is why he is still a second round despite the only majorly positive number in his value being the blocks. He is still decent to average in a lot of other categories, which makes him less of a one-dimensional kind of guy. Um, But again, just not falling into the trap of expecting to do three blocks a game and that being more closer to 2.2, 3, 4, 5, because it is a massive difference in that when it comes to his value. So to me, he's sort of in that mid to late second round in a category of leagues. Uh, points leagues, DeMontis Sabonis is the only guy in this section here. We've talked a few times in these series that in points leagues, the big things you're looking for, points, rebounds, assists, and Sabonis is one of the best at that. He's not penalized for his lack of threes or poor free throw percentages. The lack of steals and blocks is not as big of a deal in a points league. So he is actually a guy that you can get early or in mid-second rounds, and that would be absolutely fine. I, I do expect his assists to drop a little bit. They they went up last season, I believe, to a career high, um, which surprised me playing alongside Fox for the entire year. Um so I just I have a hard time believing that it stays that high. So I am expecting it to drop a little bit, but otherwise pretty much the same thing for Zabonis this year. Tier number four, category leagues. We've got a bunch of players. Now this is, again, if you watch the positional and statistical scarcity categories, this is where we start to get into sort of rounds 
three and four-ish kind of a range, sort of round three at the moment. And this is where a lot of those big guys, in my opinion, are grouped. So we saw the blocks and rebounds and field goal percentage take a big jump up in the statistical analysis point of view. And this is why, because I think a lot of these players will be going around this spot or should be going around this spot. So in category leagues, we've got Carl Anthony Towns, Chris Stumps, Porzingis, Bam Adebayo, DeMontis Sabonis, Evan Mobley, and Miles Turner. Now, if we look at this list, some very interesting names here. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, previous first rounder. I expect, look, he was injured a lot last season, but even when he wasn't, um, when he was healthy at the start of the year, he was probably around this mark. Um, I just think that the the drop in rebounds and blocks and field goal percentage are all contributing to him. He should still score, you know, your 20-plus points a game, nearly get two threes, decent assists from the center position. Free throw percentage is nice. Field goal percentage, it's not as great as it was, but it should still be maybe a touch over 50% or around that 50% mark. So he'll still be good, but again, I'm not expecting him to jump back up to first-round cat anymore. He definitely is more of a third-round dude for me. Kristaps Porzingis, now, again, this seems, sometimes people think that this is high, but remember last year, he was a borderline first-round player. So he's going from like a early second to a guy that I'm happy to do in the mid to late third round with the move over to Boston. So it does hurt his value, in my opinion. I've taken some usage away from him. I've taken some shot attempts and scoring away for him. Um, but he's still a guy that gets you the decent blocks. He hits threes. He has a good free throw percentage. So a little bit different and more useful in some builds than some of those other one-dimensional shot blockers that you can get later, um, at least in my opinion. He should still be solid and is a very has a very fantasy-friendly game. Bam is one of the ones that probably has the lowest floor in this team, depending on if Damian Lillard does join this team. I don't know how high his upside is. Um, he was a guy that was getting close to five assists at one point in his career, but dropped when Kyle Lowry came back. If Lillard never comes to this team, then his assists could rise closer to that mark again. His usage would stay high, but it's, it is difficult to project, not knowing when or if that trade is going to go down. So I'm a little bit wary that the projections have him about here, but I probably would have him maybe at the back of this list just because of fear of something changing and that affecting his value a fair bit. But at this stage, if everything stays the same, this is where I have him. Sabonis, I've always been a little bit lower on Sabonis. For whatever reason, I can't seem to keep up with where people value him. Um, Look, I see him doing very similar to what he did last year. I've taken back the assists slightly. Um but still going to give you great rebounds, great field goal percentage, great assists from the center position, nearly 20 points per game. Um, I just think he's a third-round guy. I don't think he's a second-round player. Uh, That's just my opinion. Um, I know some people take him in the second round, sometimes early second round because of his consistency. I just don't really see the upside there. I think that, again, you're a poor free-throw percentage shooter. You're not hitting threes. You're not scoring a bunch Yes, it's not horrible, but it's less than 20 points per game. There's no steals, no blocks. Um, Great field goal percentage, great assists from a center, great rebounds. That's cool. Um, Solid enough points, but the rest is below average. So, uh, again, I just think he's a third-rounder. He's a good third-rounder. Great. Maybe you want to pair him with like a Jokic on that turn. That's fine, but for me, this is where he is. Evan Mobley is another guy here that I am very high on. I am expecting this season to see more Mobley at center this year. They were disappointing in the playoffs, Cleveland was, and they obviously got got bounced out early. A 
lot of attention went towards Jarrett Allen and the fact that I think he had some quotes saying that the lights were too bright. And obviously, Mobley is the future of this team. I think his best position is center. So whether it's Mobley just seeing a slow downturn in minutes. The other key thing with the Cleveland Cavs is the acquisition of George Niang this season, as funny as that sounds. But getting a player like George Niang, who's a floor spacer, plays best at the four, will allow them to maybe him be the first sub off the bench, Jarrett Allen coming out, move Mobley over to center, even if it is for just a few minutes at a time. I think that just unlocks a little bit more of a ceiling for Mobley, who saw the same amount of shots last year with Donovan Mitchell come in, but his efficiency approved. Now playing more at center, there's been some quotes they want to use him more as a playmaker and a facilitator this season. I think that of all the players in this list, he definitely has the highest upside. He, in my opinion, now I don't predict it, but if at the end of this season he was a first-round player, it would not shock me because he has the tools, he has the fantasy game there. You would like to see maybe the free throw percentage improve. Um, I don't think he's someone you have to punt free throws with, but that is currently a decent negative for him. But I'm, I'm very keen on what Evan Mobley to do, and I would probably, of all these guys just for upside, be drafting him earlier than most of them. But at the moment, my projections have him about here. And then Miles Turner, Pretty, um, we kind of know what to expect from Miles Turner. He kind of does similar things every season. Again, don't get too carried away with the block projections, but he does hit some uh, some threes. He does shoot a decent free throw percentage. He's somewhat efficient, so he's fine in this spot here, in my opinion. For points leagues, Pascal Siakam, Zion Williamson are in this tier as well. Again, they are center eligible on Yahoo, and that's why they're in this um, center's rankings. Um they both have efficiency problems. They both lack the three-pointers, but in a points league, you don't care. You're just looking for those big counting stats, and both of them will provide that. Um, so they are elevated in points leagues, in my opinion. And Evan Mobley sits there as well, um, just as the guy who um, I think is going to see an increase in his points, uh, assists, maybe his rebounds as well if he's playing more center. So he slots in there in the same tier for points leagues. Let's go to tier number five, and this is where we're starting to get more and more players. So again, this tier four, tier five, this is where a lot of those really good centers are concentrated in drafts, where a lot of us will be getting our first centers on the board. In category leagues, we've got Nicholas Claxton, we've got Victor Wembanyama, Zion Williamson, Walker Kessler, and Chet Holmgren. Nicholas Claxton was a huge breakout last season. He was one of my favorite sleepers at the back end of the draft we could snag him sometimes in the hundreds. Return, I think, top 25 value. Again, just be a little bit more responsible with his blocks. And because there are more blocks available this year with players like Wemby and Chet and Gafford maybe getting a starting role, Mark Williams getting more minutes, all these kind of players just taking a step up. His blocks, even if they don't change, aren't quite as valuable as they were last season. But... He does give you some sneaky assists from the center position, some sneaky steals, great field goal percentage, um, no threes, poor free throw percentage. The points aren't super high, so but he is he is quite solid, especially if you are punting the free throws there, which drags his value down. Victor, this is where I have him. Um, so I guess in a um, range kind of for this guy, it'd be late 30s, early 40s is about where I'm comfortable drafting him. Now, he could struggle and not, reach this in the first half of the season, but in the second half of the season, maybe he exceeds this because as we know with rookies, they often get better as the season goes on. They get a bit more experience in the NBA. I would anticipate some poor field goal percentage from him, especially as a center eligible player. 
if he is playing power forward next to a Zach Collins, maybe that does limit his rebounding a little bit as well. Maybe he's not quite a 10 rebound per game despite being seven foot five, um, just because he might be playing a little bit further away from the rim. But he'll give you he'll give you over two blocks per game. He'll give you some decent scoring. Um, the threes will be there, although his three-point volume and efficiency is actually not quite as good as you might think if you've just been following like the highlights and things like that. He wasn't the most efficient three-point shooter. He definitely has the capacity. If he turns into one, even in year one, I wouldn't be surprised. But I also wouldn't be surprised if he's you know just getting to one three made per game as well. Like I don't expect him to come out and knock down two per game like a Carl Anthony Towns. And his free throw percentage is quite nice. So again, if you want that efficient shot blocking from a free throw line sort of point of view, then Victor Wembanyama definitely can do that for you, in my opinion. So there is definitely a need for that in a lot of different punt builds. Uh, and then what have we got? Zion Williamson. We've talked about. I, I I have a good feeling about Zion this year. I think he is. I think he's ranked seventieth or something on Yahoo. I'd be happy drafting him around that in the forties, fifty-ish kind of a range because you do have upside. You'd ideally be punting free throw percentage or threes or both, but he's just a monster in the points, rebounds, assists categories. Um, the field goal percentage is absolutely enormous. Now, you want to be ideally putting him in a team where you can utilize that field goal percentage a lot to the to the most of his value. So in a punt free throw percentage, his field goal percentage might be wasted if you've already got some really high field goal guys like Giannis in your team. Um, so maybe the value isn't quite there in that build, but... Uh, for some reason, I've got a gut feeling that he's going to come out and he's going to play a decent chunk of the games this season. He looks like he's in good shape. Um, but there is always risk with Zion. Walker Kessler, he's in this range now. I am projecting him to be the number one shot blocker in the NBA this season. But he's also going to be one of the worst players when it comes to assist, steals, and threes, and free throw percentage. So four major negatives to his value whilst having three or four huge positives in field goal percentage, rebounds, and blocks. Um, he also won't score very much as well, and we know scoring is harder to find um, later in the draft. So definitely not drafting him in the third or fourth round. I'm probably happier to get him in the fifth or sixth round is where I'm hoping to get a Walker Kessler, knowing that you're going to have to, if you want to still be competitive, try and make up those points in the next few rounds as well. Similar story with Chet. Now, Chet doesn't have the free throw percentage drag like a Kessler does, and he's probably going to be a little bit of better a passer and steals guy. So not quite the extremes in field goal percentage, but also not quite the extreme negatives in assists and steals. Points may be similar. He might give you a three per game as well. So I think that Chet is definitely in the same tier as a Victor Wemanyama who sometimes gets drafted a, a decent chunk earlier than him. But he's not going to score as much, but I do think his field goal percentage might be better. His rebounds might be better and um, everything else Fairly comparable, in my opinion. So he's definitely someone that I think in a punt points build, in maybe even like a punt steals build, might be someone that you can definitely have a look at and elevate in those builds there. But I do quite like Chet uh, this season. Points leagues, we've got Carlton Towns we've spoken about, Bam Adebayo, Victor Weminyama in the same tier, and Jaron Jackson, who falls down compared to his category league, his blocks don't have quite the same value. He doesn't score or rebound quite as much as some of those other big guys, which does, you know, obviously limit his ability to get those points. He's playing power forward next to a Steven Adams who gets a lot of those boards. So I think that's the big reason why his his fantasy point scoring is not as high as his uh, category league value. TR number six. We've got Pascal Siakam. We've got Alperen Shangun, 
Jakob Pertl and Rudy Gobert in category leagues. Now, Pascal Siakam, might, some people might think that, that is quite low. Now, remember, he was quite high in my points league. So the main thing dropping him down is his efficiency issues. So he's poorer from the field, poorer from the free throw line. Not huge negatives by any stretch, but he is a high volume shooter. He gets a lot of shots up. He gets a lot of trips to the line. So even if he is slightly a negative in that category, the volume makes it more hurtful for your team. And he just has some issues with his game. Doesn't block a lot of shots. Isn't what I would call an elite rebounder. He's he's slightly positive. Um, the threes are average. The assists are really nice from the center position. So that's the main, I guess, drawing card for him. And the points is good from the center position. So especially in teams where you're not worried about blocks or you're not worried about elite field goal percentage, he is a great player to have in that center eligibility spot. So a lot of the times when I'm punting four categories, if I'm punting those big man stats, Pascal is a huge target of mine because he does things that I need and I can put him at center. So even though my minus one rankings have him here, I definitely see the argument for him going earlier than this and being drafted in the tier above him because of his utility in those kind of out-of-position stats. But from the pure projection standpoint, he he is definitely in and amongst these players and, a, and a, just a shade behind the tier above. Shengun, this is my projection for him. He could be two tiers above this. He could be two or three tiers below this. But I am on the slightly optimistic side, I believe, uh, with Shengun. I just think that eventually talent wins out. I think he's one of, if not the most talented player on this list, maybe behind Amen Thompson on the on the Houston Rockets. I just think that when we saw him have the keys last season, it was so clear to me, and hopefully to everyone else watching, that he was the best player on the Rockets last year. Um, you do add in Fred. You do add in, you know, Amen Thompson, Dylan Brooks. My thoughts are that with you, with you guys bringing in the players like Fred and like Dylan Brooks, who are good perimeter defenders, that that covers up or, or makes Shengun look better on the defensive end because not only was he not necessarily a positive defender last year, but you also had a bunch of non-positive perimeter defenders, which made him look even worse. Whereas if you have better perimeter defense, he can still kind of be passable on the defensive side of the floor. And then you keep him out there because he is so gifted offensively, so creative with his passing. So I think that that's the way they're going to go. They don't really have too much. I mean, Jock Landau's there, but you're not giving him 24 minutes. So I think he can get out there for 30 minutes a night. Um, I would question his ability to get out there to 34, 35 minutes, but... It's not out of realms of possibility because he could just take a big step forward. He is still extremely young. Um, so I, I'm i cautiously optimistic with Shengun this season. But again, I've been a bit of a Shengun stand for most of his career. Jakob Pertl is in this spot and as is Rudy Gobert. So Rudy Gobert was a very interesting case last season. He came over, still averaged a ton of rebounds, but the blocks really fell off. The first time in his career, I believe, that he's averaged less than two blocks per game. And that was also for a lot of the season without Carl Anthony Towns. So I don't actually think we can just go ahead and project him to go back to that and and call it an anomaly um, because he he did that a lot without Carl Anthony Towns. So I think that you're going to get something similar from him this year. Maybe instead of 1.4, you get 1.5 blocks. But otherwise, I expect more of the same from Rudy Gobert this season, which has him about this spot. Again, 
poor free throw percentage shooter, so definitely be mindful of that. He's one of the worse players for the field goal percentage, sorry, free throw percentage category. So definitely leans more towards a punt unless you're really strong in that category. Um, and Yucca Pertle, a similar story. I think he's probably safer than Rudy Gobert. Um, he gets at least some, some few more assists and steals. Maybe not quite the extremes in, in rebounds and field goal percentage as Rudy, but uh, at least a little bit more in those other categories than uh, Gobert. But very similar in value. Points leagues, we've got Porzingis. Again, his efficiency in free throw percentage and threes, not as valuable in that league, but still solid. Shengun in the same tier. Claxton. Vucevic is in the points league, hasn't appeared yet in category leagues, but he appears here in the points league uh, rankings and tiers. Rudy Gobert and Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren, a tier back in uh, points leagues as well because, again, he's not going to score a lot of points, I don't think. Um, He'll be a good shot blocker, uh, a good efficient player, get you some threes from the center, but that holds little weight in in points leagues compared to the, the points per game output that I expect him to do. Let's go to tier number seven. We're starting to get a lot of people, especially in those points leagues. They're going to be a very busy tier in the category leagues to start out, though. We've got DeAndre Ayton, Robert Williams, uh, Brooke Lopez, and Jarrett Allen. Um, a lot of boring names in this tier here. I think Robert Williams, of all those guys, is the highest of upsides. But again, you just worry about that knee. You've brought in Porzingis. So they're going to have like three centers that they all kind of need to manage. But then again, they don't really have the depth to do so. So I expect a bit of a bounce back compared to last season. But I'm not expecting the top 30 kind of a guy we saw two years ago. But he has that in him. He does have that in him. And if he does play 30 minutes a night, he can smash this ranking. But I think drafting him, you need to be a bit cautious of that. Brooke Lopez comes down from last year. I think it was just one of those very much out-of-the-blocks years from him. Um, I'm expecting a decent you know, dip in minutes per game compared to his uh, nearly 31 minutes last season. The years before that, he was 23 and 27. So I think definitely close to that 27 minutes per night is more what I expect for Brooke. Um, And his blocks and everything else basically will come down because of that. Jarrett Allen is someone, as well as DeAndre Aiden, but definitely Jarrett Allen, probably more so compared to consensus, is someone that I'm quite worried about. Like I said before, with uh, Mobley, I expect just a small step back in Jarrett Allen's minutes and also the slight risk of him maybe getting traded at some point this season. Now, if he does get traded, you would hope he's going to be somewhere where he still is a starting center, but even if he just pulls back a little bit in usage, um, minutes scale back, a tiny bit because he's not a big, he doesn't shoot any threes. He's not a he, very low in assists and steals. The blocks aren't elite like someone like, um, like a Walker Kessler or, or someone like that. And he has those negatives like Kessler does. He just starts to slowly really lose the value that you would expect uh, a player like him to have. And um, I just think that the usage drops a little bit affecting his field goal percentage volume. So, I am down a fair bit on Jared Allen compared to where he is being drafted and consensus and other people I've seen talk about him. So he's down in tier seven. In points leagues, again, a lot of familiar names. We've got DeAndre Aiden, Jakob Pertl, Yusuf Nurkic appears in this one here, Walker Kessler, Wendell Carter Jr., Zach Collins, Mark Williams, Stephen Adams, and Jalen Duran. So in a points league, a lot of those back-end senders, because they're just going to be getting bulk rebounds, they're going to be getting minutes, that just boosts them all up. So a lot of these guys who are maybe more back-end category guys, 
really should be going in the mid-rounds for points leagues because you're guaranteed decent amount of points with those rebounds. They're one of the more predictable stats that you get week in, week out. There's less week-to-week variance in a rebound. So these guys are probably better. You know, you talk about your Nurkic's, um, your Wendell Carter Jr., Zach Collins, Mark Williams, Stephen Adams, Jalen Duran. A lot of them have holes when they don't shoot threes. They don't have good free throw percentages. They lack some of the steals and assist numbers, but they have those rebounds, and those rebounds really do provide you a good floor when it comes to points leagues. Um, so that's where they appear here in the center tiers at tier seven, all of them getting a decent uh, bump. And you'll see later on the tiers for the points leagues dry up much quicker. There's a lot of those guys are kind of pushed up a bit higher in points leagues compared to categories. All right, in Tier 8, Category Leagues, I've got Jalen Duran, Nikola Vucevic, Mark Williams, and Mitchell Robinson. Now, I'm a big fan of Jalen Duran this season. I think he is one of one of my more um, favorite breakout candidates. I think that he didn't play nearly any minutes last season with Cade Cunningham. I believe in him as the future center of this franchise, and I think that is becoming more, I guess, consensus opinion across the NBA, and I just think that he is definitely going to... He, he, he hasn't shown everything he's capable of. Um, he, he's got some passing ability. He has the ability to be a bit more creative on offense. Um, he didn't block as many shots as I expected to, to last year, so I am giving him a, a little bit more of a chance to prove that he does have the ability to shot uh, to block You know, 1.1, 1.2 blocks per game at least, if not more potentially. And he's super young. Like he was one of the youngest players in the draft last season. You wouldn't look at him and think it, but he is incredibly young. So those younger players, you can see a big step forward in year two, year three, just because of them getting more mature, getting more of an understanding of the NBA, and playing alongside an elite point guard like Cade will definitely help a player like Duran, in my opinion. Vucevic is a guy who... I don't know, maybe you're surprised to see him this low in Tier 8, but I am massively down on Vucevic, and I've got a few reasons as to why, because last season we kind of were down on him um, because we thought that the the usage was going to start to slow down. He's a guy who's now 33 years old, but last season he put up 52% from the field after the seasons prior going 47, 48, and 48% from the field. So he went over his field goal percentage by about 5 percentage points, which kept his scoring up at that 17.6 per game mark. But if we bring that back down to what I expect to be more his kind of level there, which is like that 48% from the field mark, that drops his threes, that drops his, um, you know, points per game. The field goal percentage goes from a, a positive to maybe even slightly negative for him as well. He doesn't have the steals. He doesn't have the blocks to back that up. Um, so for me, just that slight change in his field goal percentage, even if we leave the usage the same, it does change his value fairly dramatically. Last year, he was the 26th in a nine-category ranking. In a nine-category ranking right now, my um, projections have him at 62nd. And again, in a minus one sense, because he is decent across the board, when we punt categories, he is not necessarily benefiting as much as other players behind him would, so a lot of people jump ahead of him. So that's why my rankings and my tiers have him further down than you would probably typically see him being drafted. I'm not touching him inside the top 50, 60, 70 probably. Maybe at 70 I'm starting to consider him if if I do need that like good free throw percentage shooter and I do need some just rebounds, um, assists from my center position, but 
again, I just don't think there's much excitement. And there's a, there's a pretty big risk in terms of him seeing a, a decent hit to his value this season, in, in my opinion. So I'm down on Vucevic. Mark Williams and Mitch Robinson are here. Mark Williams, I like. Um, I'm a little bit hesitant to go too crazy with his projections. He's not as big of a shot blocker as we might have thought coming in from college, but he probably still can do 1.2, 1.3 blocks per game. Again, quite limited in his skill set. Very classic big man stats, but you'd hope that this season he's going to get decent minutes as their starting center. Mitch Robinson, similar story. He's going to do his thing. I don't see too much changing. Very similar output to last year, and and it's really just the blocks, field goal percentage, and rebounds that get him here, but don't expect many points or assists or steals at all from a player like Mitch Robinson. He's just going to he's gonna do his classic Mitch Rob things. In the points leagues, another big chunky tier here. Clint Capella, Jabari Smith Jr., who again is center eligible. Brooke Lopez, Draymond Green, Robert Williams, Jonas Valanciunas, Mitchell Robinson, and Ivica Zubac all in this grouping. Again, those guys that maybe don't score a lot but get good rebounds. A player like uh, Draymond Green who gets the assists and steals and blocks. Elevates here as well. Poor percentages galore in this tier, but it doesn't matter. You don't care. Poor, not, not many threes outside of Jabari in this tier as well. So, again, a lot of these back-end centers just move up a little bit in a points league because you have that consistency of rebounds as well. Getting close to the end here. Tier 9, category leagues. Draymond Green, Steven Adams, Onyeka Akongwu, uh, Wendell Carter Jr., Zach Collins, Yusuf Nurkic, and Clint Capella. Draymond Green is another guy I'm pretty down on this season. I just, I hate the fit on paper. Now, I could be proven wrong once I see some preseason games. I don't know. I could change my mind. But Draymond Green, Chris Paul, I, I don't love the fit together. I, I kind of see those skill sets overlapping a little bit. Um, yeah, I just think that he kind of eats away into, into Draymond's assist numbers a little bit. Getting a little bit older. I mean, maybe if he plays more at center, you see the blocks come up and the rebounds come up a little bit, but does that do enough to offset the drop in assists? I don't really know. He's just a guy that each year is just getting a little bit, little bit harder to own, um, and those defensive stats are slowly going down. And when they do, he really doesn't provide you much because he's not scoring, he's not hitting threes, the percentages are average. Um, so he's he's close. These guys all around that kind of 90 to 100 range, in my opinion, to me. Um, Steven Adams, again, you can get him late, but his free throw percentage is the big thing for his value because he's one of the worst players in terms of free throw percentage, but he's going to be their starting center. He gets nearly, you know, over 11 rebounds per game. He gets you a couple of assists as well, nearly a steal, a block per game, great field goal percentage. Look, he won't score, shoot threes, and he's shit from the free throw line, but he is very underrated, I think, in category leagues, especially if you're punting free throw percentage. He's a very easy guy just to grab late, and, um, you know, you don't have to go for those players that are considered your typical punt free throw percentage bigs, like your Walker Kesslers, like your um, Rudy Bears, Like, you can just get a Steven Adams, like, in 120s in draft, and he will not quite do as much of those guys, but but not too far away either. And I, I think he's very important for the Grizzlies, so his minutes to me are quite secure. Onyeka Okongwu of this tier grouping is the highest upside by far. I'm expecting him still to come off the bench. I probably have him projected at 22, 23 minutes per night uh, whilst Clint Capella is on the team. I do think that, again, I've said this last year, but I'll say it again. I think there's more likelihood again this season that Clint Capella is traded. It doesn't make sense to allocate your money and your calorie, uh, sorry, your 
calorie, um, your budget and your cap space is what I'm trying to say, cap space towards a player like Clint Capella when you have an Okongwu on the bench. Get more value in your wings and guards. I think that's more useful for the Hawks. So I expect that to happen. So I would definitely be drafting him ahead of all of these guys just for the upside, but his projections, even in a limited role, have him around this kind of a range anyway. Wendell Carter Jr. is here. Kind of just does his thing. Again, doesn't get the defensive stats that you would typically like and is poor from the free throw line. Not super elite from the field. So that kind of dings his value a bit because he does shoot threes. Um, rebounds are solid. So I think he's just going to continue what he's doing, what he did last year, pretty much. What else we got? Zach Collins. I, I like him. I think he starts at center. Um Sneaky assists from the center position. Can hit threes. Very efficient. Close to stealing a block per game. Just good across the board. Probably projects a little bit better in like a nine category center uh, setting compared to uh, like a, a minus one again because he is so, I guess, average across the board, decent across the board, and no real number one huge strength. Some of the guys behind him get pushed above, but he does sit here and can, and can suit some builds nicely. Nurkic is a guy that I have trouble kind of projecting, but he is the only center really on the Trailblazers at the moment. There definitely will be some trades and things like that, but as it stands, I don't see why he can't play at least 28, 29 minutes a night, uh, see his rebounds in, improve. Um, I don't know how high his shot attempts will go. He's definitely not the, the focus of this team offensively and moving forward, so he's probably going to remain a lower usage kind of a guy, but sneaky assists... And I just think the minutes are enough to get him into this range, as is Clint Capella. But I definitely have Capella below his teammate in a Kongu just because I don't see the upside there. Even if he's traded, like, I mean, if he's traded, he's probably not coming off the bench wherever he goes. So I don't worry about his value completely falling out from underneath him. But I do think that there's not too much upside from here. So you kind of just get what you pay for with Capella. In a points league, these are the last two players actually ranked today. Bobby Portis and Onyeka Okongwu. Portis won't appear in the category leagues because of his percentages and lack of anything else, but he does score. He does get decent rebounds. So in a points league, you could do worse than a Bobby Portis as a late-round guy if you missed out on a bunch of other centers earlier. All right, last few in tier number 10. There's just a few guys to finish it up. Pretty back-end boring players. Uh, except for the first guy here, Jabari Smith Jr. at tier 10. Remember, he is center eligible. So if you're a team where you're maybe punting the big man stats and you want a center who can hit threes and do some things, a good free throw percentage, um, maybe get you a steal per game, um, he, he can definitely do that. He can do that for you. I am expecting him to shoot better. But look, I was definitely too high on him last year. Um, the steals didn't translate over from college, which was probably the big thing that I wasn't, I guess, expecting. But he does have a chance to make a big step forward. So I've got him here with my projections, but there is definitely scope for him to definitely exceed this expectation and jump up a tier or two um, compared to, obviously, these other two guys are, are very back-end, low-upside players. So they are Jonas Valanciunas and Ivisa Zubac. Just guys, especially Valanciunas, Larry Nance is playing a lot of minutes at center last season. Look, Valanciunas is still going to get you rebounds. He'll still give you good field goal percentage, and he'll score decent enough in the limited minutes that he's out there. But I'm projecting him to be sort of that 23, 24 minutes a night guy. Um, might not be rosterable for some weeks. Not a guy by any chance that you absolutely have to draft. Um, if you don't need what he provides, you don't have to draft him. Same with Zubat. It's just kind of those guys that I expect to be starting centers on their NBA team. 
but maybe not playing the full allotment of 28, 26-plus minutes a night. Some nights they might play minutes in the teens. So by no means, guys, that need to be on rosters throughout the entire season. But in my projections, they do project out to be around that top 120, 130 kind of a range. So um, by by essence, they make the criteria for these tier videos. So that will uh, that will do it for us today, guys. Make sure, again, if you have any comments, disagree all you like. Again, these this is my rankings. This is my thoughts, but I'm going to be wrong definitely on some of these things. Um, you know, We're not always going to get it right, but those are just my thoughts. But let me know in the comments section if you have any disagreements, if you thought anything I discussed was interesting. Drop it down in the comments. Any questions, throw them down there. If you guys are keen on versing me in fantasy basketball this season, make sure head over to the Apple Podcast. Give it a five-star rating review. Remember to put your Twitter handle in that review. I'll be messaging the winners in a couple of weeks, and uh, hopefully you can be one of them. See you guys. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.